Welcome back everyone, I'm your host, Sam Peoples. Recently, Chipper Jones answered some questions that he gets asked a lot on social media. We're going to examine his answers. This is going to be fun because it is Braves-related since it's Chipper's opinions, but at the same time, not restricted to just Braves players. So, with that being said, let's get started. I hope everyone enjoyed the July 4th, if you do celebrate it. For international listeners, I hope you enjoyed your weekend or whatever days you got to relax. The week of this recording, Chipper Jones gave us a small look into his mind. He tweeted a quote that said, I get asked a ton of questions on Twitter. Best player, toughest pitcher, what music do you listen to, what do you drink, and your favorite state to hunt. Next tweet will reveal the five answers. Stay tuned, unquote. This was a fun little tweet that he answered with, quote, Answer one, Barry Bonds. Answer two, Roger Clemens. Three, country, parenthesis, Aldine and Bryant. I think he meant Bryant. Although I think Queen is the greatest rock band and Bohemian Rhapsody might be the greatest song ever written. Four, Sugarland Shine Sweet Tea parentheses Crown Royal close second five Kansas parentheses Iowa is creeping unquote Let's dig into these. Let's tackle the non-baseball stuff first because why not, right? This was obviously a subtle way for him to promote his new partnership with Sugarland's Moonshine in Gatlinburg. Well played, Chipper. My dad has this moonshine before they put Chipper's face on it. No way is it Chipper's favorite drink. I'm just being honest. So, we can assume his favorite is Crown. <laughs> as far as hunting, I'm just jealous that he gets to hunt in either of those states on a regular basis. The real non-baseball shocker here is music. Are you surprised as I am that he picked Queen over Black Sabbath or Ozzy Osbourne? What about not saying Crazy Train? I downloaded that song on my Baby Blue iPod Mini 16 years ago because it was Chipper Jones' walk-up song. Queen is good, and I do like Bohemian Rhapsody, but come on, man. You let us all down. Side note, if you have an iPhone, say the phrase, I see a little silhouette of a man to Siri. You will not be disappointed. That was for free. Now, let me step off my soapbox about stuff that doesn't really matter and get... Onto the stuff y'all came for. Baseball. Let's look at his choice of best hitter. He was not clear on if he meant best all time or best he faced. Coincidentally, it doesn't matter statistically really, because the answer is that he would be correct on either account, arguably. I'm talking pure statistical output here. 
We all know that the steroid thing is shadowing over Barry Bonds' head. I'm not here to argue whether he should be in the Hall of Fame or not, nor debate steroids in any way. That is not the intent of this episode, but since Chipper mentioned Barry, it had me dig into his stats more. I'm hoping that your mind is blown as much as mine was. Most of us know he was insanely good, but you, like me, probably did not dig too deep into actual numbers because you just discounted them due to steroids. No judgment there, I get it. But if you look at the numbers, they are absolutely insane. Going by Fangraph's war, Bonds has 164.4. In his 7 year peak, he had 72.7 war. That is 7 war more than the average player at his position has in the Hall of Fame. And he did it in 7 years. The only player to have more is Babe Ruth, who has 180.8, but 12.4 of that is from pitching. So technically from a pure output standpoint, Bonds had the second best career all time. Third place is a bit behind Barry too, which is Willie Mays came in third with 149.9. That is a difference of 14.4 war. To put that in perspective, Freddie Freeman had a four war season last year. Willie Mays would have needed approximately three and a half more seasons of 2019 Freddie Freeman-like output to catch up to Barry Bonds. So, Barry had Willie by quite a bit in that arena. Again, we are just looking at numbers here, not arguing peds or performance-enhancing drugs. Let's look at his career numbers more granularly. Also, side note, say granularly five times fast. You probably can't. Anyways, obviously most of us know about his homers, 762. But one that is just as impressive to me, if not more impressive, uh, is that with all that power, he was extremely patient. He is the all-time leader in walks with 2,558. He led the league in walks 12 times. In 2004, he had an insane 232 walks in one year. Yes, one year. He was so feared that he has had 688 career intentional walks. I've had this conversation with people before. They say things like, oh, well, someone's on-base percentage is inflated by intentional walks, blah, blah, blah. Well, here's the thing, guys. You earn your intentional walks. Those are not random. For the most part. Especially in Barry Bonds' case, they intentionally they would intentionally walk him with the bases loaded because they were afraid he was going to hit a home run. He led the league 12 times and had 120, yes, 120 intentional walks in one year. His on-base percentage was 609 in that year. That is true video game numbers. His OPS was 1.422. Just to put that in perspective... Mike Trout, the consensus best player in baseball, his best year OPS-wise was 1.088 in 2018. That is a .334 difference. That is humongous. His OPS plus was 263. You heard that right. 263. That's 163% better than the league average hitter. To put that in perspective... Chipper Jones had a career OPS plus of 142. Bonds had a career OPS plus of 182, being 40% better than Chipper Jones. Offensively, obviously. 
meaning he was 82% better than league average over an entire career. That is insane. He ended his career with an OPS of 1.051. Remember when we looked at Mike Trout's best year at 1.088? Barry Bonds had a career average of 1.051. That was his average over 22 years. That is high enough OPS to win MVP almost every single year. He was no slouch on defense either. He ended his career with 7.6 defensive war. In 22 years, he only had negative defensive war in 6 of those years. He accumulated 195 RTOT, or total zone runs saved. Only players to accumulate more are Clemente, Ozzie Smith, Mark Bellinger, Andrew Jones, who has the most as an outfielder, by the way, and Brooks Robinson. Guy had crazy good glove when he wanted to. Over his career, for, for perspective, he was only... He was also... Sorry, <laughs> I almost said only quick. That makes no sense. He was also quick on the base, base paths with 514 steals. So he's in the 500-500 club of career homers and steals. One year, he had 52 steals in one year. He had at least 11 stolen bases in 16 different years. You may say, but Sam... These numbers are inflated due to steroids. Again, I'm not here to argue steroids, but it is pretty commonly known that when he allegedly started using, it would have been when he was a giant. So let's look how good he was prior to that. From 1986 to 1992, he played for the Pirates, which is seven years. He averaged 25 homers, 31 doubles, 36 stolen bases, 87 walks, and a 147 OPS+. Again, remember Chipper Jones' career was 142. And he averaged 7.2 war. He was an absolute stud for the Pirates. Even before he allegedly started using steroids, he averaged an MVP caliber season every single year for 7 years. And he still had 15 more years that he had not even started heating up. So whether you hate Barry or not, you most definitely can be justified in either stance, by the way. I think it is fair to say that Chipper Jones made a good choice for his pick of best hitter. Alright, I think now is a good time to take a break. So, let's take a break, shall we? Hello, Braves fans. If you're like me, you have more than one hobby. You, maybe Braves is not the only thing you're into, which is totally fine because a lot of us have multiple hobbies. Well, I wanted to take a moment to let you know of another great entertainment podcast called the Above Average Joe Show. Joe sits down and talks to his friends that have worked in film and includes stunt performers, actors, actors doubles, casting agents, and more. They play games, tell stories, and give you some behind-the-scenes info about some of your favorite movies and television shows. It's a fun podcast I know you'll want to check out, after my podcast is over, of course. So, if you'd like to check this podcast out, you can find it on all your favorite platforms, from Apple to Spotify to all the big ones. Give it a listen when you're done with this show. Whew. That last segment, that was a bit hard praising a villain. So, let's jump into doing the same thing again. Chipper's choice for toughest pitcher he faced was Roger Clemens. Man, what an absolute stud statistically. Again, not here to debate steroids because we're going off of Chipper's choices here. 
Let's dig into the stats themselves. Same preface as before. His numbers are shocking. Clemens had eight years in which he led the league in ERA+. If you remember, it is adjusted to the league average in ballparks. He had three years over 200 ERA+, which is insane. That's straight bonkers if you ask me. If you like more inferior traditional stats like ERA, he led the league in the lowest qualified ERA in seven years and had an ERA under two twice. Remember how big of a deal it was when it looked like Jacob deGrom was going to do it? Well, Roger Clemens did it twice. He led the league in one category or another a hundred different times. The average Hall of Fame pitcher has done it only 40. Not to mention that these numbers favor older pitchers who did not pitch in a four to six man rotation anyway. So that makes that stat even more impressive. Clemens is third all time for starting pitching wins above replacement with 139.2 with a seven year peak of 65.9. The average Hall of Famer has a career war of 73.3. He could have had the same value as your average starting pitching Hall of Famer in nine years. He finished his career with an ERA plus of 143, ERA of 3.12, 4,672 strikeouts to only 1,580 walks. Since Chipper talked about facing him, let's look at his average while Chipper was in the league. Chipper only had 8 games in 93 and did not play in 94, so let's start with 1995. During the span of when Chipper was in the league starting in 95, Clemens had 2,471 strikeouts to only 890 walks, an ERA plus of 138, and an ERA of 3.31. He accumulated 67.5 war in those 13 years. Again, almost as much as the average Hall of Famer in their entire career. And when you split Roger Clemens' career into pre-chipper and post-chipper, he could have been potentially voted into the Hall of Fame twice. To put that in perspective, John Smoltz had 69 war in his entire career. Clemens was a Cy Young candidate level for almost every year of those 13 years. Of course, there were some pitchers that had better seasons here and there, but overall, during that span, he was a top tier in the league every single year. He had a sub ERA, one of those sub 2 ERA, one of those 13 years. He did not complete nearly as many complete games during that time, but the game was changing at that point, which is why you see sort of a higher war for those years that uh, prior to Chipper because he was pitching more innings during that time. Per year, I should say, more innings per year. I think it's fair to see, though, why Chipper did not like facing Roger Clemens. So, I know it's been a few weeks, but that brings me to the People's Pitch segment of this week. I wanted to steer it back to the Braves, obviously, since this is a Braves podcast, and I wanted to prove that Greg Maddox was a better pitcher than Roger Clemens. I really, really wanted to, but steroids aside, obviously, we're only looking at stats, I can't prove it, and I'll explain why. Before we get into it, I have to say, 
both pitchers were extremely elite. Both are some of the top starting pitchers of all time. In fact, both have at least 24 wins above replacement over Nolan Ryan. If that opens your eyes up to how good they are, I hope, well, I hope it does because obviously Nolan Ryan is known as one of the best all time. Both of these guys were way better than him career-wise. And Nolan Ryan pitched for more years than both of them. Nolan Ryan pitched for 27 years. Uh, Greg Maddox and Roger Clemens pitched for around 20 to 22 years each. Um, and yet, both of them still accumulated at least 24 war more than Nolan Ryan did. Both are some of the top pitchers in the modern day era. Both being Clemens and Maddox. Both are top pitchers in the modern day era. Especially when you look at pitchers in the four to six man rotation era of baseball. Remember back in the day you had pitchers that would just pitch every day and of course they accumulated a lot of war because they were the only ones on the mound. Now in the modern day, you know back in the 90s you had some teams running four man rotations. Now we see more uh, teams running six man rotations to preserve arms. So especially when you look at pitchers in the four to six man rotation era of baseball, you can definitely say that Roger Clemens and Greg Maddox are some of the top two. I won't say the top two, but there's some of the, I would say, uh, without even digging into any more stats, I can tell you, without a doubt, they're the top, they're top 10 modern day pitchers, both of them. Let's compare accumulative numbers. Clemens accumulated 139.2 baseball reference war to Greg Maddox's 106.6. If you like fan graphs better, you can see with the fan graphs war that it's a bit closer Roger Clemens had 133 to Greg Maddox's 116. But still, Roger Clemens has him as far as overall career. What I really wanted to show is that in their prime, though, Greg maybe topped him out. Well, unfortunately, Roger passed him up a bit in that arena as well. If you look at the seven-year peak, Greg Maddox has a 56.3 baseball reference war to Clemens 65.9. So, Clemens brought more value during that time. Well, as we all know by now, wins above replacement is an accumulative stat. So, and I say stat, it's, a, it's an accumulation of accumulated stats. It's multiple stats um, accumulated together to show true value. So, who was more effective while actually on the hill? You know, like maybe we could say Greg Maddox, you know, was more effective while on the hill, not just accumulated over time. Well, if you look at the total innings pitched by both, which is a measurement you should always use while comparing effectiveness versus value, Maddox generated .0212 wins above replacement per inning pitch, which is absolutely insane, by the way. That is elite closer type levels. But Clemens was worth... 0.0283 per inning. That difference adds up every inning. If you're a little lost on why I'm showing effectiveness versus total value, look at it this way. Remember in 2017 when Mike Trout got injured? He quote-unquote only accumulated 6.7 war that year in 114 games, which 6.7 war, I mean, that's MVP level no matter how you spin it. He did not bring the most accumulated value that year. Jose Altuve did with 8.3. But Jose Altuve played 39 more games. Altuve accumulated 
0.42 wins above replacement per game, while Trout accumulated 0.058 wins above replacement per game. So, even though Altuve had more war during a season, Trout was more effective while on the field itself. Again, you can only get credit for what you actually accomplished, but it is important to know that there is a difference between accumulated output and effectiveness while on the field. Moving on, I said all this to say I found an area where Greg Maddox beat out Roger Clemens. If you take it down to the player's best two-year stretch, Maddox was king in that arena. Can you guess which two-year stretch for Maddox? You're probably right. But first, let's look at Clemens' best two-year stretch. His best season was in 1990 with a 10.4 wins above replacement season with a 211 ERA+, plus, followed by 1992 of 165 ERA+, plus and 7.9 war. This equals out to 18.3 war and an ERA plus of 182. For two years, that is absolutely insane. Insane numbers, and he did this in 499.2 innings pitched. Most players across the board, regardless of position, don't get 18.3 war in their entire career. Now, let's look at Maddox. In 1994, Maddox had an absolutely insane ERA plus of 271. That is 171% better than the average starter. He had 8.5 war that season. He followed that up in one of the most famous seasons to Braves fans, which was in 1995, with a 9.7 war and 260 ERA plus season. The guy didn't like giving up runs, obviously. He did this in 411 innings pitched. This added up to 18.2 war and a 265 ERA+. So, if you dig into these numbers, Clemens technically brought more value by 0.1 war. However, it is because he pitched 88 more innings. If you look at effectiveness while on the field, it's not even close. For that two-year stretch, while on the field, Greg Maddox was 83% better at preventing runs, which is ultimately the pitcher's job. Am I right? You heard that right. 83% more effective while on the mound. And he was only 0.1 less accumulated war while pitching 88 less innings. So, tell your pals, in each player's two-year peaks, Maddox blew Clemens out of the water. You can't argue that Maddox had an overall better career, but you can argue that for a two-year stretch, you can take Maddox's best two-year stretch and you can take Roger Clemens' best two-year stretch. If you compare them, Maddox was way better, 83% better to be specific. Okay, that's, I mean, that's insane. 83%, you're looking at two future Hall of Fame pitchers, one of them third best all-time war, and Greg Maddox was 83% better than that guy for each of the players' two best year, two-year stretches. So that's a good arguing point if you want to prove how effective Greg Maddox was over Roger Clemens. Um, sorry I couldn't prove that Greg Maddox had a better overall career, but for that two-year stretch, 
Maddox was definitely better. I hope you enjoyed this People Pitch segment. I know it's been a few weeks. I'm going to try to do it more often because it's a really fun segment. Um, but, so, that is the end of the episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. That was a really fun episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. Everyone, and make sure and thank Chipper Jones for coming up with most of the topic for today. It was really cool getting a look into Chipper Jones' mind. Uh, So give him a shout-out on Twitter, why don't you? Don't forget to check out our Twitter at Braves Dugout Pod, the Facebook page, Braves Dugout, and the Atlanta Braves Dugout Facebook group. We also have a website if you haven't checked it out already. So check out the website. It's on the Twitter. Do me a favor and leave a review on Apple to help the show grow. That's the easiest way to help the episodes get out to people that have not heard about podcasts yet. Sorry for all the administrative stuff, but I will see you guys next Thursday. And as always, go Braves.